Good morning. Welcome to The Old School, a podcast on uh, issues facing the contemporary education system here in the United States, uh, sometimes comparing it to other school systems, sometimes not, uh, checking out its foibles, its successes, its failures, its uh, systemic problems that it deals with, um, all of it in one entertaining, breezy 30 to 45-minute episodes. Good morning, Herr Dr. Bourgeois. Hello, Mr. Miller. That, that was a nice introduction. And uh, I think we should keep it positive today. You know, we, we like to pick things apart and say that maybe things are going really well and, and we need to, to tout it. I have an advantage on keeping it positive. Do you know what I just ate? No, I don't, I don't really I have zero interest. No, no, no. This is, uh, look, go, stay with me here. I just had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It is Americana. It is childhood. It is everything that is right, good, and wholesome in this world. And I've just consumed such sandwich. I can't help but think I can't help but be positive right now. So you're setting me up because you think I'm grumpy and I'm going to say that I don't like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You probably don't. No. Well, no, I've, I've, I've eaten my share. Don't get me wrong. It used to be part of the school lunch along yeah. with some Cheetos and a, what do you call it? A hostess, hostess Twinkie. That's when I was in school. That was the the lunch. Yeah. Those, those three things, they paired well together, all three. <laughs> and um, I didn't get a note in my lunch bag from my mother, but I, I did get the hostess Twinkie. So that was pretty good. And sometimes hostess cupcakes. She didn't, she didn't send a note to, with, with you that says, I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. No, I love you. There was no note. There was sometimes, <laughs> I, sometimes I got a ho-ho and I, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> but, uh, As a young child, you thought that was funny? Yeah. No. I'm bringing you now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so, uh, since then, I've, I've kind of changed my ways as far as processed sugar and and i actually looked at i mean you, you read the label and it says strawberry preserves so you think it's basically just strawberries and that, that's it but it's really strawberries dunked in in sugar and um, it has a real high level of processed sugar the content is probably you know one sandwich is about three or four days worth of that there's a scene in The Odd Couple where Felix bemoaned the fact that there was a sandwich that had mold on it in the refrigerator. And Oscar asked him, what are you, a health nut? And this <laughs> I can't help but think of, you're, you're venturing into the same territory. No, it's not you you got to get yourself high-grade preserves. And I'm talking like bon maman, that kind of level of sophistication and tastiness. That's a That's a great pairing of some natural, creamy, Jif peanut butter. There you go. You got it. So you're talking bone. What were you saying? Bone, bone maman. This is at, uh, the French fancy schmancy uh, preserves. Okay. Well, but then you end up with Jif after all that. I mean, that seems a little odd. Nothing wrong with Jif. We get the Jif that's all natural. all natural. That's what I'm talking about. All yeah, natural, yeah, creamy. That's, that's really, yeah, that's quite good. It's, I mean, the other stuff I can't eat. But the, the creamy, Jeff, I'll give you that. Now, this is one, this is like one of the few exceptions, you know, because I'm a big believer in the biblical axiom to set aside childish things as you get older. 
Bill Maher talks about the growing list of things that kids that only kids used to do, but now adults are doing it for some reason because really? we've been infantilized. But but um, peanut butter and jelly is like one of the few holdovers that I still I still give great credence to. Okay, I'm just I'm, I'm just laying I'm, it out there. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not complaining. You know, it's, and I I do think that they're really good. If you have good bread, you yes. know, a, a wheat bread, a soft you know soft bread, not some firm bread i don't i don't think i think it's part of the experience to have bread that is suitable there's yes you can't do pumpernickel with peanut butter that's just yeah it's subversive but uh i mean if you get a good sourdough or you get a good um kind of maybe like a potato kind of bread i mean that's some good stuff there with uh peanut butter and jelly yeah i think just plain old enriched white bread is, is the way that it's supposed to be like wonder Wonder Bread. There you go. Do they still make that? I think so. <clears throat> but anyway, well, guess what? It is the season. Tis the season for. Do you know? Uh, baseball? No. Baseball, well, it is that true. Yes, I've already got a couple of games under my belt already. Going to another game this week. Well, <clears throat> but no. Besides baseball. Um, end of the school year. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's, yes, uh, which means uh, testing. Nothing testing. but testing. AP testing. Okay, so you're not talking about state tests. <laughs> those are pretty. So AP is kind of the last last thing. It, it's how the year ends. There, there are the preliminary tests, and then AP, and the important people start taking tests. This is where the big dogs come out. This is where the big guns uh, are <laughs> unveiled and. Uh, so my kids, my students took it Friday morning. That was the time for the AP U.S. History exam. And so it, it, it is basically the, the coda of an AP class is this exam that they have to take. And hopefully if they do well enough, they get university credit. It does call into question once more as we sit here at the ass end of things, whether this is something that it was an endeavor worth doing. You know, at the end of a course, you know, in the way that you had to do it, you know, the speed that you have to go, is it, <clears throat> is it something that is in keeping with our general philosophy as far as education goes? Wow. Um, the, the test itself and the fact that you have this build up to a test, and then I think it's telling that once the test is over, um, you're probably taking suggestions on which films they're going to see um, <laughs> for the rest of the year. As, you know, so so there's something awkward about that that you you still have a couple weeks of class left to do to do nothing because the test is over. It does call into question. <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus, Almighty. You okay there? It does, well, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's that peanut butter and jelly sandwich I just ate. <laughs> have to do the Heimlich maneuver over Zoom. <laughs> can you do can you do the Heimlich on yourself? Is that um, does that work? Yeah, you, you take a chair, you, really a, a stand-up chair and and just impale yourself. yourself on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, there are like videos of that and it's 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 serious stuff. Don't make fun of that here, Miller. I'm not making fun of people it. People could be just... choking right now and this could be a public service. I could have just saved people. Oh, the chair. Never thought of that. So with our banter and witty repertoire, we could have both caused an incident and also given the solution on how to fix it. That's true. They could be choking <laughs> on it because they're laughing. Um, so the, the question is, is how does, how does a good teacher handle the period 
from the tests to the end of the school year? Because you and I used to do an exchange. I'm still a part of it. You're talking about a foreign exchange. Bring foreign exchange. Up. Yeah. And we would usually arrive at we at the school in Germany after the all-encompassing, incredibly stressful Abitur exam. And usually what our kids are experiencing in the forms of the German school system is after the stress of the exam is now over, the kids are walking a little lighter. There's maybe an extra spring in their step. Um, compare that with, so what is that, your recollection of what a senior level class was in Germany after the Abitur and how productive you thought it was, how closely did it align with our ideas compared to what we have typically here in the U.S. after the major exam has passed? I don't really know the answer to this. And we have German listeners who could probably tell us, but my thought is, I mean, they're pragmatic. You know, they'd say, why would we have class at all? They they just wouldn't hold it. I mean, these are adults. They're 18, 19 years old. They they certainly wouldn't just bring them to have seat time. Right. So my my thought is that they do what we should do too, is just send them them home. I mean, it's an open campus in most German schools and it is kind of in, in, in ours. So they, they should just not hold it and they have, a, and as opposed to the film fest or the idea of let's have the kids teach each other, you know, come up with a little <laughs> topic and you know, yeah, who are we kidding? The test is over. Um, but the, but it, I guess my point is that there's still something about it, build, building to this test as opposed to building to a knowledge and love of the subject uh, that's a bit unsettling. And that's the inherent problem with the AP class. We've talked mm-hmm. about this before. The fact that the buildup is towards the exam and not the information itself. And so once the exam is over, you're kind of left to sitting there looking at each other going, well, what next? You know, now I do a combination of two things. You know, so I'll have the kids suggest maybe a topic they'd like to do a deeper dive into. And then I might also offer a documentary or something like that, that we can watch and then discuss after we're done with it. You know, so I I have a combination of the two, but, you know, one of the things I, it is a drumbeat with me that the students and their efforts in the AP class, it cannot be solely based upon the idea of the test because it minimizes and marginalizes everything we do leading up to the test. If the test is more important than the information that we're supposedly trying to convey, then we're shooting ourselves in the foot and we're creating the thing that we dislike the most. Well, you you know this, that there are, there are actually students in your class who didn't take the AP test. Mm-hmm. Not many this time around, uh, right. strangely enough, but yes, there's always yeah. a few. That would be a, a good metric of, of the quality of the course and the, the teacher to some extent. Um, but those students do it, and often it's a late call because they they take a practice test and so and I'm on track for a three, but right. I'm going to university that only accepts a five or a four, right? And so I'm not going to take the test. I'm not going to have to do all the prep. I'm not going to waste a day in a testing situation. So so the d- there's some kind of game time decisions by students, even though they paid for the test. That doesn't matter, right? Um, 
but it just shows that it's it's not just about taking the test, but it's about what score you get. It you know it's you know, pretty again pragmatic. The kids are saying, "I need this score because I because now they know what schools they're going to." It's not. It's mm-hmm. been decided. Uh, it's a little bit like um, remember the line that Deion Sanders when he was criticized for not tackling somebody, and he said that he made a business decision. And I think for our students, I think it's a little bit like that. I mean, they'll sit there at the cusp of having to take three exams, God forbid, four exams. And they sit there and say to themselves, eh, maybe I don't really need to take this one test. You know, maybe I can go ahead and just skip that. Like you said, they've already paid for it, but that does not seem to be a major inhibitor to dumping out of a test. That's right. And, and, and there's a little bit of stress, you know, testing. And, and, and I mean, some of our kids have even more than four tests. You know, they, they have, you know, particularly, a, I think juniors quite often take more tests than, than seniors. They, Holy cow, I have a lawnmower coming through here. You have a what? I have a lawnmower coming through here. Our neighbor, for reasons passing all understanding, have chosen this particular moment to mow the grass. Oh. And it looks like he's doing it. It's not even his son's. Um. Why would you mow the grass if you have kids to do it for you? I uh, thought that's why you have kids, so you can make them do stuff around the house. Yeah, or you just hire it done like most people <laughs> in our neighborhoods. Um, well, you can mute when you're talking. I, actually, this is a perfect opportunity for a soliloquy from here, Dr. Bourgeois, for the Go next for 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you announced that the the harbinger of springs my dad always said when somebody's mowing the lawn <laughs> comes out well no i think to go back to the topic i think the stress i mean the stress makes kids do crazy things one they're either making decisions not to take a test that they've already paid for or maybe just not take it seriously and then you have the other direction so i don't know if you remember this we talked about this at the time but four or five years ago i had a kid who was taking seven AP classes. And she was setting herself up to take seven AP tests. And her parents had no problem with this. And the counselors clearly had no backbone to say, this is a bad idea type of thing. And so I think we can agree that that's excessive, but you have a lot of kiddos who are being a lot of pressure is being applied for them to do well in these exams. And so not only do you have the kids sitting in class for seven, eight hours a day, but you also have parents who are farming their kid out to one tutor or another to then focus on presumably whatever they didn't cover in class. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a farm system of sorts and it is huge money. Oh, we need we need to get in on that money here, Miller. The I, I would suspect that the content of tutoring often is is how to prepare for the test, meaning not not history content of you know or math content or whatever, as much as testing techniques. There's probably a lot of that, and and let's face it, a lot of AP teachers um, are lacking in that area, though they can teach the the, the subject. So I, I think there there's a place for it. Um, and the other issue often is that, you know, that you have tests like for, you know, government or economics that are one semester mm-hmm. courses. So, so as a way to get up to speed, if you haven't had something since December, you know, a, a tutor 
is a little bit more focused than I know, I know teachers have sessions, but maybe mm-hmm. uh, if somebody wants to get a five, they would put a little more emphasis in, into to tutoring. But I, I think it's an industry that reflects, you know, as much parents' desires a, as the kids. And the, the parents have have a couple of things. I think it all has to do with college. Number mm-hmm. one, they they want to get the free college credit. You know, credit mm-hmm. for those is money in the bank. Um, but the other, which I haven't talked about in a little bit, is class ranking. And and you don't need to pass the AP test to get the weighted GPA. And right. so that, that girl with, with five or six or seven classes is probably in line for valedictorian. Yeah, and so it brings up issues that we've talked about before, the idea of the importance of GPA, or at least the importance that it occupies in the brains of our kids. I have a world history student. And he told me, and it was, you know, it's, it's, um, he said, I, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, cause he's trying to add, trying to figure out how to make an A in the class. And I said, well, I said, there's very ways, there's various ways to get to that. None of it includes <laughs> worrying about getting an A, you know, it's about kind of a more of a healthy kind of a genuine approach to the subject, but you go home and you find your textbook and you read it. <laughs> that joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll do anything. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, will you study though? And he, he talked about the fact that, and I don't know whether he was being serious. I did ask him a follow-up. You know, he told me that his identity is very much wrapped into his GPA. I said, and I asked him, I said, are you serious about that? And he goes, yes. I said, don't you see that as a problem? He goes, oh yeah. He, he knows, he recognizes it. It's an issue. And then you think, and then you think about the add-on to, you know, what they're doing in class. And then they do tutoring, you know, after school for God knows how many hours or what have you. Right. I'm just wondering how the tutorials and the way that it's structured and, you know, because listen, I've done tutoring, you know, did tutoring this year with a student uh, that does not, not one of my students, but uh, goes to a different school. You know, these things are there. I'm just wondering, how does that fit within our approach about how you approach a class? It's it's boiling it down to the individual components. It's not taking it holistically, but rather it is, as you said, it's focusing on skills. It's focusing on strategies and things of that nature. And it has more to do with the test than it really has to do with the class. I think so. Unless, in particular, if it's sort of last minute cramming to get them Mm. ready, there's no time to get into content. Um, but there, you know, there, there's that kind of tutoring, you know, which is an industry, and, and you know, I, I, I see it as as positive, you know, to to help help students have more confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other tutor out there is, is YouTube. I mean, this is what AP high school students do to learn content. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 create a flipped classroom for themselves, and if they're preparing for a test. You know, they're not opening up that book as much as we want them to, but they're watching a lot of videos um, that are pretty targeted to the AP test. I mean, the quality is is there, but uh, it, it calls into question everything that we've discussed about, you know, history, particularly being a reading subject. You know, there's not a lot of reading between test prep, you know, tutors and watching YouTube videos. Right. Well, I mean, there is, so there's two you know, as far as that goes, I mean, that's, 
I mean, you're, you're spot on. So there's two guys that do it the most. There's a guy named Heimler. You're giving a, a, a shameless plug for Heimler. Are you working for Heimler, Herr Miller? I'm not giving a shameless plug to anybody. I'm just talking about the idea that there are these two guys that tend to occupy my kids' heads more than anything else. This one guy named Heimler and this one guy named Green. And they, and they basically, they spend all their time, you know, they'll sit there and they'll, they'll listen to those things on like a constant loop. Right. Oh, I see it here. I'm looking at it. Yeah. So he actually does videos of himself giving lectures. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like these kind of quick, you know, contained prepackaged synopsis of different parts of the curriculum. Yeah. And my kids have these on like a going, you know, like I said, a, a continuous loop where they're constantly listening to these things. And um, on one hand, I sit there and think, you know, what were you doing the previous seven months that we've been in this class, you know, but there's also this kind of desire, this overwhelming desire to cover all their bases, even if the bases don't need to be covered, even if they happen to know the material, you know, um, this desire, oh my God, there's something I'm missing. And so I'll have students talk about, I found this PDF online, or I found this video online. I'm like, do you even know who these people are that are making these PDFs or who making these videos or what have you? Now, by all accounts, the two guys that I mentioned, is they seem to know what they're doing. So that's fine. But the thing is, my kids are grasping at everything. And there's this desperation that goes into the final preparations before an exam. So Thursday, this past Thursday, the day before, the push exam. I told my students, listen. AP U.S. History. AP U.S. History. Pardon me for those, the uh, uninitiated who didn't know that uh, <laughs> expression. I, 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 don't, I don't like using those things. Yes. It's called World what? History WAP. It's, WAP, yeah. WAP. It's insulting. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I told my kids, my, my kids were asking me, what should we do the night before? I said, do nothing. I said, I would suggest you don't study. I said, if you believe in your process, if you believe in how you have prepared yourself all year long, there is no reason to study the night before because you either know it or you don't. Now, if you've not done due diligence throughout the course of the year, trying to cram the night before ain't going to help. So it's either not needed or not helpful. And, you know, the the psychological evidence suggesting that we tend to forget the last thing that we try to remember. And that's the first thing that we forget. And then you're going to sit there and carry on that blank space in your head to the AP exam. And you think it's going to be productive. And and to me, I told the kids, you're going to get more out of it if you just sleep, you know, relax, have a nice meal, talk with your family, reacquaint yourself with your siblings and then just go to bed early. And they looked at me like I had three heads. (laughs) (laughs) All those things are unique and rare. Uh, um, You probably told them to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich too. They could have. The same, same. It wouldn't have hurt. Well, um, well, I think this is troubling. I'm, you know, this, you said Heimler is his name. Heimler, Himmler. (laughs) I know it, it, you Uh, start but he gives he gives it away, right? So, yes. Um, it's the same thing with this is this uh, this green guy. It's like um, yeah. But as I a business, what is but as a business model, there's something missing in that. 
you know, he's giving away his lectures. I hope he sells some other stuff. He must. He must have something. I assume. I mean, or he like likes to see his. You well, know, he's getting he's, on YouTube. Maybe he gets ads or something. Well, yeah, he's getting adverts from his YouTube videos because you know well, kids are watching the hell out of those things. Well, yours are. Um, yeah, mine is. I assume do you everyone feel, else. Do you is. feel incompetent, or you know, when when they're watching Heimler instead of Miller. Well, I mean, the, the, so I have a set process by which my kids, uh, what they do in class in the two or two and a half weeks before they lead up into the exam. I have a process that uh, where they have a, kind of a review process. Now, when I hear about kiddos talking about how they, they're sitting there and just watching these various videos, uh, I do kind of wonder in my head, what am I doing here? I mean, what, you know, I was thinking my... the same. I didn't want to insult you, but, <laughs> but Heimler seems to have a, I mean, why do you need all these lectures on the same topic when Heimler apparently is quite brilliant? Quite brilliant and a lot more concise than the muddied waters of your typical AP class where you have to get a little bit into the minutia. He doesn't have to worry about teaching the minutia because he's being used solely from the purpose of a review paradigm. So he gets to keep it surface level fun, happy, breezy. I got to sit there and deal with the muck and the mire. And I got to sit there and get into the, into the, uh, the bits of it. And so, you know, my function and his function are two totally different things. And I, I tell, I usually, I advise my students. I said, listen, if you're just talking about a review, if you're just talking about an over overview of material, go with yeah, go, yeah. Do one of those things, but that's not going to help you as far as the brass tacks of, you know, learning a subject or learning, you know, how to, or having the information to be able to do well on an exam. Well, it is troubling and we're making light of it a little bit, but the, a little bit, but, but having the, this video content paired with the tutoring that we discussed, mm-hmm. you know, kind of creates a little bit of a, you know, uncertainty for the future of the the classroom teacher, and to, to, you know, obviously they do so much more, and they're teaching more than that that subject. But just on a does, technical technical, you know, the technology suddenly does move in, and it makes everything at least partially obsolete. It does make you wonder if at some point we're not heading to something more akin to the Japanese model. So I don't know if you've ever seen a Japanese history book. Every time I go to a different country, I endeavor to try to find a history book, the likes of which are used actually in the schools. And so I've done two exchange trips with kiddos to Japan. And so therefore I've been able to procure a couple of history books. Did you steal them? Did you steal them from the teacher lounge there? I most certainly did not steal them. Because that that, that would be a sign of dishonor for a teacher to actually steal a textbook. All the more surprising that you would jump to the conclusion well, to ask me the question. So they would just give you a book and say, we'd like yeah. to present you with this book. Well, I mean, they don't make a ceremony out of it, but I do <laughs> I, I do offer to pay for it first. I said, do you have a, do you have a textbook I can buy off you? I mean, something that I can kind of, you know. And they gave sometimes it to you. I, well, sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. You they know, took, out, yeah, took out your checkbook. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I make it out to? Uh, okay. Right. Um, how do you spell that? Um, but no, I mean, they, so you look at the Japanese history textbooks, it's nothing more than a glorified timeline. It's bullet points. And with all the efforts in this country 
to politically try to impact history education, both from the left and the right, both of them not qualified to offer any kind of opinion about what I do on a day in a day out basis. Bastards. Bastards indeed. But it does make me wonder if we're going to get to a point in an effort to try to not be politically provocative, that we're just going to boil down our subject to a collection of facts that have to be memorized with no commentary, analysis, conjecture allowed in any shape, manner, or form. It does make me wonder that we're heading in that direction. And and again, you know, we talk about a lot of things which impact the curriculum, not least of which is testing. And we see it and we've, we've commented on it before. Testing diminishes the curriculum. It boils it down to the only the most, quote unquote, essential elements of a course. And that's all you have to teach. So let me ask you a, a broader question about AP, you know, not just history. Um, you know, we, you could argue that the, the AP program across the, the country is a, a surreptitious form of tracking students. You have students who are on the AP track and not, we're not allowed to necessarily track, but AP creates this whole school within a school and it's the same kids and all these AP biology. Um, so that that's one thing that it does, you know, kind of an unintended consequence of that. But you know, that aside, because I think a lot of parents and students actually find that desirable to some extent. But, you know, it, what is the, the greater good having something like the AP program? Uh, or would we be better off scrapping it and when students go to college, they take college courses from professors and get rid of it. And, and you teach history, but, but you're not teaching a specific test. Um, is, is it too, too big right now? Should, it, should we rethink it? At this point, it's too big. I mean, there's nothing we can do as far as AP goes. I mean, I think and certainly nothing in the short term. If the choices are AP or nothing, I think that the quote-unquote on-level classes are so hampered by many other things, not least of which is an incredibly constrictive curriculum. I think the AP is the is the better option. If for no other reason but that you have, the teachers have, and then ergo the students have a greater range of intellectual freedom. Um, now, if you get rid of AP, if there's nothing commiserate to it, maybe like an honors or something like that, then I think I'd rather just have the AP classes. You know, if it's the lesser of two, better, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. I mean, who who knows what follows AP if it goes away? I think I'd prefer AP at this point. You know, there's there's a great, there's, you're not as constricted. The, the you know, the various uh, curriculum guides and things like that relative to AP allow for a lot more exploration than say the regular on-level U.S. history class does. And so I think at that point, I mean, I think I'd rather take the AP. I'd like to get to a point though, where we could have a U.S. history class that's not dependent upon an exam. Even the regular classes have a end of course exam because it's U.S. history and that becomes one of the classes that the kids have to pass in order to be able to graduate, you know, 
I'd like to be able to teach a U.S. history class without a test associated with it. Well, imagine teaching a topical course, maybe a more narrow part of history that's you know, that's not an AP course, that's not you know the state required course in history, but that's something of, of interest um, to you. You know, I think it's I think it would be a great opportunity to explore things that do not typically get a lot of attention. For example, I think it'd be great to have a Native American history course uh, simply because, you know, both, at least here in Texas, both the on-level classes and then internationally, the AP curriculum does not lend itself to discussion a lot on Native Americans, except uh, with regards to their conflicts with Americans or before that colonists. The problem is, is that, you know, I'm reminded of the line, this is why we can't have nice things. If we had a setup where teachers could go in that direction, there are too many people that would take it politically in unadvisable directions. You know, I've had this conversation. We had, you hear stories all the time about teachers who are fired for saying this thing or that thing in class, their kids are rolling tape, you know, you get caught. And a lot of these teachers, not all of them, a lot of these teachers have felt that they take it upon themselves that it's their responsibility to make sure that their kids think just like they do politically, instead of making their class political, but from their perspective, apolitical, teacher has no business talking about their own political points of view, but it is certainly the purview of history teachers to discuss politics. I just worry that if it were left up to us on our own wishes to create something, I just worry what some people might create. There would have to be some pretty strict guidelines as far as how that, you know, unfolds. Well, that's a. Uh, you know, I think it's another topic, but it, it, I think it's in, in instructive because there was a time, you know, when when teachers could do that and they would propose something, and it wouldn't take four years to get through all the committees, um, and and there would be no question about politics one way or the the other. It's about the content and the syllabus and what students were reading. Um, but it's it's a, a tough point, actually, a real depressing way to close out our topic on, um, and I, I blame you for this because we were having, having a- Listen, I had the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I was yeah, fine. It was, but you, it was, you it got was negative. Positive. And now you're saying that no, no, you know, we're so political, we can't, <laughs> teachers can't be trusted. Uh, they'll end up, I'll be, they'll be fired. One after the other would be <laughs> um, this, this barrage of firings, you know, students recording, posted to the internet and then suddenly fired, fired, fired. Exactly. Uh, um, because of you personally, the way you, I don't know. I have nothing to do with this. I merely call it as I see it. I the political landscape lays before me. I observe with the observational skills of not so much a lesser man, and I sit there and say, "This isn't going to work," you know. So yeah. <laughs> don't blame me. I wouldn't blame you. You're just like all you know what the, you know what you're like. You know what? what you're like. You're just like the Israelites of old, yelling at the prophet. What? Bringing up bad news. Why are you coming in here 
weighing us down with your negativity. I feel Mr. like you're prophet. shouting at me. You're calling me a prophet. Are you? Are you no, the? Prophet. I'm the prophet. I'm you're the you. prophet. I'm also the Jew here, so <laughs> I'm the prophet. Oh my god! And so there you go. This is this is it's, it's gotten really strange. Um, yeah, that's my I'll, fault. Enjoy playing your videos from the History Channel as you close out the year, Miller. Uh, not from the History Channel. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we do a mixture of things. You know, you can't pigeonhole us. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, with that, as this thing peters out, <laughs> we ask that you say adieu, farewell, so long, Alfidazan, Herr Doctor Bourgeois. I'll, I'll say uh, Alfidazan and leave it at that, Herr Miller. <laughs>